My name is Melanie. And my name is Trakesha. And thank you for joining us again for our um, second podcast. <laughs> what are we sipping on right now? Pina coladas. <laughs> Which is delicious. With nutmeg. And um, cold as hell. Very cold. Um, hmm, just a disclaimer before we start. We just wanted to mentioned that this podcast is not for um for therapy or mental health advice it's purely for entertainment purposes um and we will be talking about mental health amongst among other topics um just wanted to throw that out there um so today we're going to talk about um two things which is probably hard for some of us to express and say which we all have gone through before First is I need help, and the second is I'm sorry. What do you feel about I need help? I feel like I need help is really hard to say, especially as someone who's like straight A student, like type Perfect. of personality, like yeah. nothing can get me down. Like yeah, that's really hard. Yeah, I think for say. I think for me, um, growing up and I guess like modeling my grandmother and stuff yeah. like that like seeing, single moms it, put so much pressure yeah on well she wasn't single she was married but <laughs> no. she had a lot of stuff going on so I guess just being raised and in that environment I just always grew up with that expectation to just always just oh do your own and kind of like that superwoman yeah. syndrome it's like that tears you down after a while it's the older I'm getting the more I'm realizing it's really okay to ask for help. Yeah. Because I mean, everything is not going to just get done by one person. Right. And it's I a think lot. I struggle with asking for help because I automatically think that, you know, whoever I'm asking help for, they're going to look at me as if, Oh, you can't do what you have to do or you're weak or you're not yeah, capable. Weak. Or you feel like it's a weakness yeah. to admit that, mm-hmm. that you need help. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with that in life and at work for years like for years I definitely struggled with that and I feel like for me like as a social worker or as a social worker and as someone who's very empathetic I feel like I tend to give a lot to people and I like help them and stuff and then I would get I noticed that I would get like upset when they wouldn't reciprocate that and I'd be like what the heck like they're not reciprocating that I do so much and then I realized I wasn't communicating that I needed help yeah so they thought that everyone everything was like fine and dandy yeah yeah. When in reality, I needed help, you know, mm-hmm. or want to talk about things. But yeah. I think um, as a social worker working in general, I struggled be- a lot. Mm-hmm. I was behind on a lot of work from not really verbalizing and voicing that I needed help in a lot of situations. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, you know, I watch other people that I work amongst, you know, if they felt an ounce of being overwhelmed, it was, hey, this is too many assessments or, hey, I'm not, hey, it's too much. I can't do this. But for me, I'm like, you know, that's not me to go and, you know, complain and say like, no, I can't do that. I guess, I don't know if it's considered complaining or just saying, hey, I need help. I don't know. Yeah. But, um. You notice in jobs too, like if you're that go-to person, you will continue to be that oh go-to my God. person. Was I that like, well, yeah, person. you were. Sometimes I, I, I feel disclaimer. Like... Me and Trakesha used to work together, <laughs> and she was so that she, go-to person for see, everyone. Oh my God, and for everyone, for doctors, for <sighs> nurses, for social workers. It, you know, it was it was very, it was very overwhelming, but it was a really good feeling because I've started a new 
not a new path. I'm still in healthcare, but I started a new job. So kind of being the new fish in water, it's not like that for me. I'm not the go-to person anymore. I'm learning. Um, I like that. I like it, but in yeah. a way I kind of feel like, oh, like I don't, I don't feel like I'm being looked at as if I don't know anything, but you know, I, I'm still learning their system. Yeah. Um, I'm the go-to person for things that I know from what I know, like as far as for where I used to work and things that the people where I work now, like they're not used to doing, or maybe they just need like some clarification or they just want to yeah. be sure how to do. They know that I have like more um, experience and expertise doing it. So I don't mind, but I guess it'll, it'll get better. But that feeling of just everybody, Oh, I know she knows, or Sometimes I think it's a blessing and a curse. Like it's a blessing because it's like, okay, you do know everything. You don't have to go to anybody. Yeah. But then it's like it's a curse because everyone is coming to you. Also, the expectation that you can't do anything yes. wrong, or oh if you do, gosh. it's like you should have known better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I kind of like. I've worked too many jobs, but I kind of like being the new person because I feel like there's no expectation. There's no expectation. There's no expectation, and like I feel like whenever I approach jobs, I'm never like, hey, like, <clears throat> like overly confident. So like, oh, damn. when I do things good, I they're like, oh wow, com- uh-uh, uh-uh. they get they get surprised. I try, I try to be overly confident because I want them to know. Like when I interviewed for this current job that I'm mm-hmm. on now, I was pretty confident in telling them because it's healthcare. They wanted to know, you know, do you have you had the experience in, in this medical side? Do you know what discharge planning is? Do you know what at least the basic of like medical stuff, which I do, yeah. but I felt like I had to prove that to them because I was going yeah. in a much bigger setting and they needed to, I guess, feel comfortable hiring me. And they did when I was put to the test or whatever. But um I don't know. I mean I don't see why you would you would fail at that job. Yeah. There's no reason why. I don't That's know, but I like true. kind of being the new person because there's no expectation then like I kind of feel like that too because at our previous job <laughs> I feel like I couldn't ask for help because kind of like what you said it would it would always go back to if I made a mistake or if I you missed something oh well how long have you been doing this mm-hmm. or you know you should know this by now or well I can't believe you made that mistake and it's like those comments Human. those comments yeah. alone make me not want to ask, ask for help. any type of help yeah. because it's like whoa I don't want to go to you if it's if it's gonna turn into that, yeah. you know, I rather struggle on my own and figure it out however I can, and not hear you like I don't know, bitch about it. I guess I'm the same way. Yeah. I'll struggle through it, and if I cannot figure it out, then I will go to you as a last resort. I'm doing that now <laughs> with different tasks and things. Yeah. So it's like everybody is very helpful. <clears throat> everybody works as a team. And everybody's like you know. If it's something that you don't understand, you can call us, you can text us, email, you know, we're all here to help each other. But I'm like, you know, I can't be calling on people every day to help me. I do have to figure things out yeah, I mean, for myself. It's a balance. It's about that finding that balance. You don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to nag people either. And it's like, I don't know, my manager came to me today and she was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I, I cleared the floor, discharges, I did all the assessments. And she's like, you know, you can always ask for my help. And I'm like, I feel like they think that I'm like afraid to ask for help or something or like I'm not reaching out to them enough. But it's really? like, 
Why would they say that though? I don't know. I just get that sense, but I don't know. I I have to learn first of all. Like I have to. Oh, call this doctor. It's like uh, I'll just call them. Like I I don't know. I can't be afraid to do things like this. I don't know. But I think aside from work and being a social worker, but in life, like I don't know. Some people have it bad to where it's like. I've seen to where people are struggling financially and it's like because your pride is so big because you don't want to be looked at as like, you know, oh, I thought you had it all. People do struggle. People, I feel like a lot of people struggle behind closed doors and you really, you you really will never know about what people are going through because they're not always going to come out and tell you up front hey, I was going through this, hey, I was going through that. Because, of course, I don't know, for me, it's always, like, that whole judgment thing. I have judged people, too. I really try not to do it anymore. But yeah. I don't know. There, There is that fear. You don't know what people are doing. Some people are, I don't know, working two, three jobs trying to make ends meet, and their family may not even know about it because they really? don't want to. You know someone that's doing that? I, I've heard stories, but I'm just saying, like, I'm sure there's people out there that aren't going to their parents or their friends and just trying to figure things out on their own instead of just asking for help because they don't want to, I guess, be looked at as weak or looked at like, oh, I can't handle my own. Right. I don't know. It's funny, though. So, like, um, I do psychological testing at my job and, like, sometimes people will come in for, like, um, different like different um, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. It's like we're now we're focusing on depression. And so a lot of the men, a lot of men and yeah, just a lot of men that have come in, they'll come in for the depression um, screening, but they'll, they'll like deny. But yeah. So I noticed at my job that a lot of the, block it, a lot of the men will like not acknowledge that they're depressed, even though they're like there for depression, like they'll say like, oh, like I feel depressed, but you know, everyone goes through that and like, it's just a part of life and um, like I'm making the best out of it. Like, I don't really try to let it get me down. Like, I, you know, I try to laugh and stuff or I keep busy, but like they won't acknowledge that they're depressed. Like they don't want to say it. Like if you ask them, they'll be like, oh, it's just everyone gets down. You know, you know how it is. They don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah. They don't want to be vulnerable. But I'm really like, I've you're here that. because you have depression. This is why we're here. So unless you're going to yeah. answer these questions, like affirmatively, like there's no reason for you to be you. here. Yeah, I cannot help you. I think a lot of men are like that. A lot of men that I know are like that. Yeah, men um, that have experienced. And again, going back to being afraid to open up to people because, you know, oh, if I tell you I'm feeling this or I've gone through this, how are you going to look at me now? If you've known me as like this tough person that you can always go to and I always have my stuff together and I've turned into a crybaby now. Yeah. But I feel like that's, we're all human. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's okay to say that you're going through something. It's okay to, it's okay to not, I read a meme the other day. It was like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it is. And it's like, there's a lot of days where we wake up and it's like, okay, we we don't always feel our best. Like, right. Like, how many of us take a minute or two before we got out of bed because we just don't feel, I do. What the hell? We don't feel I up to it. like 10 times. Who jumps out of bed? <laughs> I've been jumping out of bed. Oh, before. your alarm goes off and you jumped out of bed the first time. No, I've how much never of us done are like, that. I'm looking at the ceiling like, God, like... Another day. 31 minutes, <laughs> please. 
Oh my God. As soon as I ask people questions, they're just like, like they're afraid to answer, but they eventually do. And I feel like when they do answer that, when uh-huh. they acknowledge it, like, yeah, I've been crying this week or yeah, I took me a while to get out of bed. I feel like they feel better. Just it acknowledging it, just you, saying it, just letting it out. There. Letting it out helps. Venting helps. I read something the other day. I brought this book on like cleansing and healing yourself by with um with the foods that you eat. Really? And there what was a book? chapter that talked about emotions and like holding in or like holding grudges, holding things in, not forgiving people. How that creates like negative energy in your body and you hold on to that and it's like after a while like that can turn into like I don't know like that can be like the breeding place for a disease or something inside of your body well my my supervisor my mentor um she talks about she Mm -hmm. believes that all illnesses are due to an imbalance either emotionally I believe it I I believe it it's very true I believe it I mean yeah it's real energy, all that stuff. It's it's real. If people want to acknowledge it or not, I don't know. It's it's look at the that there's a lot of like um like dopamine receptors. Not is it dopamine or dopamine. serotonin that's found in like your gut? So like, oh yeah, that they talk about that in the book as well. How if you're trying to. Like they say before you start the cleanse, I know I'm kind of going off topic with this. They say before you try to like diet or go on a cleanse that you need to cleanse your gut because like the beginning of disease or infection or anything like it's like you have to get your gut health under control first. Just a quick Google search. It says 90% of the body serotonin is made in the digestive tract. See. Uh, it says altered levels of this peripheral serotonin have been linked to diseases such as irritable bowel syndrome, cardiovascular disease, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Irritable bowel syndrome is very interesting. So like my supervisor, she believes that um, irritable bowel syndrome is related to not being able to let go. Oh. What do you think about it? Like if you're pooping, you're physically letting go of something yeah. that it represents not Releasing. being able to release. Yeah. The, Stuff from your past, energy, whatever it may be, an inability to let go. Why do you guys? <laughs> oh my god, I'm constipated. <laughs> oh god, what are you not letting go? <laughs> Please, oh my god, just let it go. No, I've been eating too let much bread. <laughs> I've been eating too much bread. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. Though. Not letting go of the past. I don't know. It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I, the way I see it, there's a lot of things that we don't know as facts. So the, the percentage of something being related to what you eat or other things, I mean, there could I be a possibility, a you know? Related. I believe a lot of it is related to what we eat. Um, there's a lot of things that science doesn't know. So it's, who are we to rule it out and mm-hmm. say, there's no way. I was going to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. Something about... Sometimes though, people, like, they'll be, like, skipping meals and not eating, and they have, like, stomach cramps, dry mouth and stuff. I'm like... You're not you're eating. You're not eating. That's like my it's mom. It's not your medication. Doing, it's you're not eating. She's doing... Um, That's why you feel like crap. Have you heard of intermittent fasting? I've done that. I've uh, lost like 10 pounds. She's lost weight. She is. That's, some, that's some good shit. I'm sorry. I you can't can do it. You because can eat a foot long and not even. 
mentally, I wake up mm-hmm. thinking about breakfast. I Me wake too. up like, oh my god, Me too. I want breakfast. It, I've eaten breakfast too much as a kid to where I wake up and it's I like, I want a full goddamn meal. Yeah. But it's like with her, she wakes up, her first meal is like at 11 or 12 noon, and then she stops eating for the day. 8, 8 p.m. is her cutoff. Mm-hmm. And she's lost like a lot. I mean, she's not big anyway, but I she used to do her that. stomach was like a little big and like she started doing that. She lost weight. I used to do that. I used to, um, I think I did it for like a couple of months. I would eat from 12 noon to 8 p.m. The only thing is, I don't have time in my day to eat that much. Like when I was doing it, I was working at a job that I didn't really do much. So I had time to like spend an hour eating because it's a lot of food to eat in like mm-hmm. in one sitting or because I would eat twice a day. So in two sittings, I would have to eat a thousand calories each. Oh, wow. It was a lot of food. And also it was kind of embarrassing to bring that much food <laughs> to, like to work because, you know, I bring my food. So like I would bring You're so much food and I would, just, food. I would just keep eating it. And it was just like kind of embarrassing, like have that much food with me. Because I would try to make it healthy, too, so you have to have a lot of calories. But it does work. I mean, you just have to sustain it. No, but she was telling me the other day, um, because that night before... I prefer eating three meals, by the way. I did it, and I prefer eating three meals. That night before, she had eaten her last meal, or whatever she ate last, was like at 6... It was like at 6.30. So it was early, so it wasn't like she ate close to 8 o'clock, and she woke up like... So her stomach was growling, her stomach was cramping, and she just felt, like, weak. Oh, really? So she in ate, the like, morning? some cereal, yeah, when she was going to work. And I was like, you, she must not be you eating start enough. eating. Yeah, she must not be eating enough calories then, because you will know. feel hungry. Yeah. And I remember what kept me eating was the remembering that I will be hungry if I don't eat all these calories. Damn. Yeah, fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, because then you can't eat. I kind of did it at Miami Jewish, but I, it was like toward the end. End of what? Before I left. Oh, before you left. I feel like I've like gained that weight back. I can see it in my, when I gain weight, it, it shows up in my arms and it shows up in my stomach. So I feel like I've gained back the weight that I've lost. I gained weight in my legs <clears throat> and my thighs. These thighs are like not going anywhere. I need to put some Vaseline in between my thighs. What? Because the chafing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so annoying. That's how I know. When the chafing gets rough, I'm like, damn it. Thick thighs saves thick lives. Thick thighs save lives. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I just, I don't know. The older I get, I just, I know that it's okay to ask for help. And it's better to ask for help than freaking... If Suffer you're, alone. Like, if you've like driven off into a ditch, I'm just thinking like totally out the box. This is so dumb what I'm gonna say. If you're like in a ditch somewhere and your car is like going into a lake or a canal, like you have no choice but to ask for help. And it's yeah. like I feel like things in work as a social worker or in life, things should not have to get that bad for you to ask for help. I have a theory too. This is out of the box, but I feel like we're social animals and we need someone to bear witness to what, what we're, we're going, going through. through. Yeah. And I feel like just having someone witness what we're going through, either reading it, listening about it or in person, I feel like that is so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Like just listening to people talk about being depressed. I feel like just hearing their story helps them because 
they're suffering alone. Yeah. They're in the dark. They're in their suffering room. Suffering in silence. Isolating. That's a big thing, yeah. Just having someone listen to them, like, I think that's a, a I think it's a big thing. Um, I know within, like, the Black community, a lot of the depression rate, suicide rate, like, it's super high, especially Diabetes. for young kids. It's super high, and I feel like because of the stigma of, you know, if you go to a therapist or shrink or you talk to someone, right. or you tell your parents, you're crazy. Yeah, if you tell your parents I'm depressed, and it's like, I feel out. like from that stigma within the community, that has veered so many people away from actually opening up and really getting through what they're going through. And it's like, I mean, I know within my family, I don't know if it's the same within yours, but it's like, oh, you're feeling down or you're feeling depressed. Like, oh, child, go to church yeah. or you oh, need really? to pray about it, which no, is not, which is okay. I do believe in God. No, I've never heard of that, power. really. Yeah. That's why it's bad. It's so bad within the black community but because when it's they like, say go to church, you guys or you, your family really believes that that will cure you. They really, well, not just, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to church tonight and everything will be okay. They just feel like, you know, if you. Because there's a God, I'm not going to preach tonight. <laughs> there's a scripture in the Bible. If I could find it, I'm not going to go through my phone, but it says like, you know, God didn't. What does it say? God didn't keep us here or have us here to like live in fear. It's supposed to have faith. So it's like our whole thing is like, oh, you know, if you pray and if you give all your worries and troubles to God, he will take care of it. But mm -hmm. I feel like that's true, but you have to do the work too. That's true. You cannot just pray and think pray that things away. are going to get better. It's like, no. I, I feel like God helps those who wants to help themselves as well. Like you're not just going to pray that you become rich and successful without actually putting the work for to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I don't know. I don't feel like if somebody is truly depressed or suicidal or they have been gone through whatever as a child, I don't feel like just praying alone will help. It has to be other things like talking about it. I don't feel it. like that. You have to talk about it. You have yeah. to have Yes, yeah, so you support. feel like it makes it taboo. Like only God can hear that. Yeah, oh. and it's like, like you don't know, tell me, tell God. <laughs> yes, you and know, like give it to God, which is like I am going to give it to Him. But what else am I going to do? Going to give it to you first? Can I give it to you after? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I it's guess crazy. Like, I guess I would feel hurt if I was a kid, and that's what my mom told me. I'd be like, yeah. Can I tell you? Damn. Yeah, it's really bad. No, I think in my family, more like if you feel like you're down or depressed, they'll think you're like crazy or that you're like mentally ill. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If yeah. you oh you know if like you, oh you know she's she's cuckoo or I don't know crazy that's or whatever. Horrible. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. It, it, it's getting better, but it's I don't know. Something has to be done with. The men, because I know with the men, there's like this whole macho thing where I'm like, not I'm not mm. gonna talk about my feelings with them. Maybe not all of them, but some. You're saying in the black community mm -hmm. or in your family? No, within the I mean, my family and within the community overall. Yeah. I think um, if there are any men out there listening, <laughs> <laughs> don't run away. I'm like, you know. Uh, 
hopefully we have a, enough listeners to hear what I'm getting ready to say. I find most men, um, this is my my experience only, they turn to like substance use or like oh my um, god, like dangerous I behaviors. That, I said that earlier to um a patient and she wanted to like charge at me when really? I said what I said. That men turn to substance abuse or like destructive behaviors? About like substance abuse to cope. Yeah. I said something, I made a comment to what she said to me, but again, if there's any men out there, like it's okay to talk about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to go to someone. It's okay to tell somebody that you're not feeling well. Like, yes. I don't know. Who wrote the book that, oh, the manager's supposed to always, like, you're not going to always be strong. I'm sorry. Right. You're going to have some days where you feel like the damn world is on your shoulder and you have to provide for your family. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's like, take a moment to damn go outside and go fish, go do something to mm-hmm. let that shit out. But talk to someone as well. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, I hate to see people suffer in silence yeah. about things like that. And you, you, you can talk to people, but I know people are also afraid and hesitant to even open up about certain topics because they don't know how they're going to be looked at afterwards. But yeah. So going back to that patient, she just mentioned to me like, oh yeah, I had some friends um, in the Hollywood area and they were doing drugs or drinking or something. And I don't know, the way she was saying it, she was saying it as if she was above them because they were doing drugs. And I was like, you know, a lot of people do that to cope with what they're going through in life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, that doesn't make it right. Not saying it's right. I'm like, I'm not saying that yeah. it's right for somebody to go out and smoke crack, but okay, what led you to do that? Right. You know? Yeah, addiction's a mental illness. I remember I took an addictions class, um, and that that was like a heated discussion one day. It wasn't a debate, but it was a heated discussion. My teacher put a question on the board and said, um, addictions. Do you feel like someone that is addicted to drugs or alcohol, um, is it once they become addicted, is it still a choice for them to use a drug or has it evolved into a disease into where they can't control it anymore? So I would say a disease, but I mean I see it both ways. I feel like yes, well it depends on the severity too. Yes, it's a disease and some people once they get to a certain point, they cannot, mm-hmm. like, physically. Can't like with, it. with alcohol, if you become addicted to alcohol, if you stop, you can I get know. seizures and die. Mm-hmm. I witnessed a patient today with really? an assessment on, not a seizure, oh, okay. but he had tremors. Yeah, like, they have he tremors. had Parkinson's. Yeah. I'm like, goddamn. From alcohol. 73-year-old, alcohol dependent. And I'm like, damn, it took you. I'm judging. This is a judgment moment. But I guess in my mind, I was thinking, like, what took him so long to want to detox this or get this from out of his system? I mean, maybe he had been doing it for years and finally he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. yeah it's really very it's dangerous really to detox yeah. from alcohol. Alcohol, I believe, is the most dangerous. So, like, how would you blame someone? You know, if you imagine getting seizures, I would drink too. I'd be like, uh, no thanks to yeah. these seizures. I had someone who had been on drugs for years. I'm not going to um, say who it was. I respect for them. But um, 
they have been on drugs for years. They went through detox last year and um, now they're um, on dialysis and they're diabetic. And they had made the comment one day that if they knew they're miserable right now because they're diabetic, sugar's out of control, and you have to you got to get blood taken in and out of your body three days out of the week. That's aggravating. That's very um, exhausting for them. You come out weak, whatever, after dialysis. But they made the comment that if they would have known what they knew now, they would have stayed on drugs. Like if they would have known that they were going to have to put their body through this, yeah, they would have stayed on drugs. And what? So, just OD, and then that's it. I'm guessing. I yeah, I guess how do you make peace with yourself if you end up in a situation? I don't know. That's I hear some people that are like, um, like live fast, die young or whatever. But I'm thinking like one day you'll have to like deal with those consequences. If you're lucky, maybe you'll die. But like <laughs> the the chances are you'll have to you deal with those lucky, consequences. My cousin used to tell me that. It's really, she used to be like, oh, people it's always It's really hard say, to die, actually. Oh, life is so short. She's like, what? Life Long. is one of the longest things that you're going to live. She's like, life is not short. It's She's not. like, people say that. She's like, yeah, tragic accidents happen. But those are People like, are in the wrong place at the wrong time. But she's like, low. we never know when that's going to happen. And she's like, in the meantime, people live life as if they're not going to get older. Just like you said with the person that you know. They don't put anything aside. They don't make any type of preparation. Yeah, you never hear people future. say like, "Oh, like I'm just gonna quit my job, do a bunch of drugs, hire strippers, like just blow off all my money." I'm thinking like, I never heard nobody. You never heard anyone say that? Like I'm just gonna quit my job and like do drugs and be get strippers. I don't know, be a stripper. I don't know what it was, but I was thinking like, you're probably gonna wake up from that, have nothing, be in very bad shape, and have to deal with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Remember that one that one um, patient? And she was like, it's really hard to die. She was like 93. And she would call you Trisha. Remember? Shut she up. would say it's so hard to die. And I was like, oh my God, that's I so never sad. believed that, but she was 93. Like, I think she she was good too. Like she, she still was good, but mentally she was suffering. Mentally she was suffering. Mentally yeah. she was suffering because her husband, husband died. They were like this. She was his bookkeeper. Oh, she was. I didn't know that. She was his book. I think he was a lawyer. That's how she got that condo. But she was his bookkeeper. Um, her kids are involved, but it's like it's not like they live with her. So it's like. In a lot of ways, she always felt, she felt alone. She felt really alone in this world, even yeah. though she had kids. She used to always tell that to me. Like, I don't have anybody. I'm so alone. I'm like, you have kids. But that's, you know, I think that's probably one of the saddest things. If you have family or if you have, like, kids or anything and... Make the most to of To still feel... That I don't know if you ever felt that feeling, but like no, I never had kids. I can't imagine. No, to be surrounded by people who love you, friends, family, and and to still feel like alone or lonely, like that is like not a good feeling. That's That's horrible. It's not a good feeling when there are people around you. There are people around you that will probably help you and support you, but you're so afraid to, you know, open up. Yeah, that was sad. 
She's doing well. I don't think about her. No? There's not one patient that you think about? I actually Doesn't everyone one. have that, Did like... I tell you? I saw a patient at no. where I am. No. He was a patient from... No. No, I don't I know don't think so, no. Oh, okay. This was, like, earlier this year he was there. And when he saw me, he's like, hey, you're the social worker from such and such. And Aww. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But I remember his case was also complicated. So when I read through the file, I was like, thank God he has somewhere to go. Because <laughs> okay. it was, yeah, it was complicated. The, I guess the despite the drama and despite the stress and health conditions and everything that I went through where I used to be, I think it really, I think it really prepared me for where I am now because when these issues and these so-called complicated cases that we get now in a hospital setting, when I see it, I'm like, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't surprise me. It just kind of makes me put like that super social worker cape on like, yeah, bitch, I done did this before. Like, okay, yeah. what do we have? Where, like, you, I put on that investigative hat. Like, I've done this a hundred times. Yeah. Like, where are we starting? What do we have? Where are we gonna go from here? Like, I kind of feel like that too. I feel like at my job, they don't handle stress very well. I think yeah. it's a very, like, it's a very regimented, like, they, they operate by appointments. So everything is like, very structured. And when, like, things don't go as planned, they, like, freak out. And then I feel like I'm always, like, calm because we've, Kind of been in, thrown in that situation, especially you have where it's like very crazy situation. You have like hours to figure shit out. Like if not, someone's life is on the line, someone's well being, mm-hmm. and your job is on the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> you finished your drink. It was really good. <laughs> um, I think it has. It, it has prepared me to maybe move a little faster. Like with the discharges that I'm dealing with now. It's prepared me to talk to people about um, difficult conversations like hospice and when somebody is not doing well and it's like they're, I've seen people in ICU, that's an eye opener for me, but then it's like, okay, the whole ICU situation is new for me, but seeing someone not thrive and kind of toward the end, that's not new to me. So it's like having that conversation with the families, like it's not such a... But is it weird that they're younger? It is. It is. It's a little bit more touchier. It's not expected. And no, it's not expected, but I'm still, I'm still like okay with talking about that and hospice and all that stuff. Um, What else? I don't know. Just like earlier, the homeless lady that I had, when I offered her the bus voucher I mean she kept me in the room for like an hour talking and I could have just been like look lady I have other people to see I'm out but I actually sat with her and took the time because I know that's all she wanted I'm like I've done this a million times I know she just wants someone to talk to everyone passing by like do you want me to come out the room do you want me to tell you that it's an emergency I'm like (laughs) no it's fine like I got it but then for her to flip out when I said like oh, do you need a bus voucher? And she's like, oh, you can shove it up your ass. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm like, I just walked out. Like, I didn't even get upset. Some of the nurses was like, oh my God, how dare she? Like, it's not even worth I'm it. like, first of all, I'm not going to sit here and take what she's saying serious. She's upset. She's homeless. She has nowhere to go. She's been living out of hotels and shelters. So it's like, you really think I'm going to 
I'm not gonna say stoop to her level, but do you really think I'm gonna like get in a battle with her word from word and try to like chop That's her down? She's already in a bad situation. So also, what's the end goal like? She Nothing. goes home and then that's it. Or she goes. They even they out. even called um security on her because they she, did. She got belligerent. Yeah. She got, I just I know when to get up and just walk away. Yeah. Instead of just standing there and she just started going off. Yeah, you can't fight fire with fire. I just walked away. I don't know. I remember I interned at the psych hospital and they were like, You need to stand up to these pa- these patients, you need to talk to them like with a loud voice and stuff, so they take you seriously and all these things. And I was, that was just like, like interview? No, when I interned, they were like, because oh. it was like towards the end, like, oh, let me give you some advice. Like, you need to like project your voice because I'm not like that. I'm very like soft spoken. And like, she told me that. I was just like, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to, if someone's screaming at me, I'm going to scream back. <laughs> you sit down, listen to me. Like, that's one, that's not me too. Like, situation that worse. literally just does nothing. Like, I don't know if I've been lucky, but I've never, like, in, at least in social work, I've never had a situation where someone like, was aggressive with me or like screamed at me because I don't treat them like that. Exactly, you know, I feel like if exactly. you go in, like, if hey, you go in, you know, what? I'm the social worker. You don't even have to go. What I learned with patients, like patients that have grievances, patients that complain, patients that are not satisfied with the care. To me, it all starts with how you approach yeah, someone, how you go in the room. And it's like, especially older people, even if they're, if they're not confused or they don't especially. have dementia, they can sense your vibe and your yeah. aura when you come in the room. It's like if you don't come in, first of all, if you don't even knock on their door, if you just open a door, okay, if I'm an old person, that's already telling me you don't give a shit that I'm in this room by right. myself. Like you're just saying, hey, I work here, I'm coming to do my job. Right. And it's like, no, have respect, knock on the door. Hey, I'm so and so. I came and do whatever. Are you okay with that? And then proceed with whatever. If, they, if they're eating, they want you to come back, I'll come back. Like today I went into someone's room. He was sleeping and I had walked out and I was like, oh, he's sleeping. I'm not going to bother him. But see, they looked at me like, sleeping? You could have woke him up. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So no. Now, maybe if I would have tried like five times, I would have probably, hey, wake up. Right. <laughs> but no, it's like... I feel like it it does it takes respect to get respect. Is that a millennial thing though? I don't know cuz is that a millennial thing? Cuz some like older people older that people don't give generation a shit. they're like you need to go in with authoritative voice and scream at them so no, they don't walk all over I, you. I've heard people say like oh you need to be more aggressive, don't let people walk all over you and but I feel like those same people that will give like that lady was given the nurse manager, the AO, the security hell. When I first walked into the room, I got eye contact level with that lady and I sat with her and we spoke for an hour. It wasn't until she was heated when the doctor and the nurse told mm-hmm. her, Hey, um, hey, you're being discharged. So I feel like she didn't really come at me just because I said, Oh yeah. You, you want a bus voucher? She was already heated from whatever right. that was going on with the other people. And she just projected that back onto me. But to me, I feel like it, it really is your approach right. with younger or older people. And it's like, I don't know. Reminds me of my mom. Like, um, mom likes to argue. So she'd be like, she always says to my brother that he's no fun to argue with because he'd be like, okay. Yeah. Like the conversation will end. And then that she'll be like, ah. I can't even argue with you. Like, you don't want to draw this out. Like, there's nothing I can say. It depends. You literally be like, okay. 
I think it depends on what we're She gets frustrated. About. With some things with my mom, she'll argue and I'll just be like, okay, whatever. Bye. And I will like ignore the hell out of you and I won't say anything. Mm-hmm. But other things that I'm like I mean, yeah, it depends on the thing, but really passionate generally. about or like I'm not gonna change my viewpoint just because you're upset, like yeah, yeah. I'll go back and forth yeah. with you. I think it's definitely important to pick your battles. Like if it's something that like if it's at work and really it's not gonna get you anywhere fighting I with have, this lady. Know, I haven't had thank God it. I have not had any situations or altercations with anybody like that. Not even a patient. I think I can recall um, one situation where two daughters was in my office and they were not getting along. They both wanted to be the person's proxy and it was just an all out battle with them going back and forth. And one started yelling. I had asked her to leave my office and she was like, oh, no, I'm not going anywhere. And at that point, I'm just like, "Um, I need you to go. And I ended up calling security and they came and, you know, she eventually got out. But I think that was the closest that I had ever gotten with someone. Was she aggressive or she just didn't want to leave the office? <sighs> she just didn't want to leave. She wasn't really aggressive. She just didn't want to leave. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really think back. What was her reason for staying there, though? She just wanted answers, and everybody kept telling her. This, there was a sister in France that was the designated proxy, but they're saying, oh, because she's not in the States, she can't make decisions. I'm like, that's not true. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think back on a situation where I just, I don't know. I feel like the way I approach people has helped me not get in, helped me avoid a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you don't want to talk about the next one? I'm sorry. The next one is I'm sorry. I think, honestly, I don't I'm think guilty. that I struggle with I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that I think that I say I'm sorry too much. I think that in some situations when I'm uncomfortable, I end up saying I'm sorry just to kind of break the ice it. or like ease things up or like, I don't know. I, I find myself... I have found myself doing that since like high school, like saying I'm sorry to maybe avoid confrontational really? things or things like that. Like saying I'm sorry or like to, I don't know, what just are you to like kind of soften up are things. Are you talking about like romantic relationships saying I'm sorry or something else? No, like work with work or like if I'm not comfortable going and talking to a patient or I don't know. When would you say sorry though? Like I'm trying to think of a context besides like relationships where I would say I'm sorry. Unless I like hit your car or something. Like I, I'm trying to think of It could just me be like it could just be me going into someone's room and Oh, I do say that. Yeah, if I knock on someone's room, I'll say, I'm sorry to bother you. Yeah. I, I mean I'll, I'll say, say that, that, but then I'm still saying, Oh, I'm sorry for such and such or I don't know, it's just I from I don't have a problem with saying I'm sorry. You feel like you say it too much. I think I say it too much. Yeah. <laughs> I think you do. I think I, I think say it too say, much. I think you said sorry a couple of times. Like yeah, yeah. Do you know why that is? No. What What mm. would happen if you don't say I'm sorry if you walk into someone's room? I think I will think that. I don't know. They might. I, like they may like go off or like they may be rude. It's like almost or think ob- they- 
avoiding someone being rude to me. I think that as I say that just to kind of like soften things, but I'm like, that makes me look soft. Yeah, that's I'm what I'm punk. <laughs> I think I, I do know. that at work. Yeah, if I like want to go into a coworker's office, I'll say, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah I always do. I'm sorry to bother you. Yeah, that's me. But why? And then I hear a lot of people like, you don't have to be sorry, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or da 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 da. And I'm like, well, shit, I, I, I am genuinely sorry that I'm bothering you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess my fear would be that. Like, they think I'm being too forward, like... Yeah, I, that's what it my is. My time is important, yeah. like, listen to me now. Because it's like, the person that's managing me now, you know, she has a very strong personality. She's she's very good at what she does, but, I mean, she'll just go in someone's room. Yeah, we, I need this information. Yeah. Me, I'm like, hey, mm. my name is so-and-so, I'm the social worker, whatever. If they're you. eating their breakfast... I can recall saying this morning, I'm sorry to some guy, like, hey, I'm sorry. I see you eating your breakfast. You okay with me being in here? You want me to come back? Like, something like that. Or a lady was in the bathroom and I'm like saying, hey, I'm sorry to bother yeah, you. Like, that idea. And, like, a content like that. I don't want them to just think, like, hey, I see you in the bathroom, but I still need my information. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I got nothing for that one. That's all I got. I don't know. Let's pause up soon, but um, just another topic before we go. This one says, "What would sorry, what is something people would be surprised to know about you?" Can you think of anything? I can't. I can't. I mean, you can. No, I can't. I don't know if people would be surprised that I make candles. I don't know. You make candles. That's not surprising. It was very, you know, I told it to my coworkers the other day. It's not surprising to me. I don't know everyone else. It was surprising. It was like, oh my God. They're like Martha Stewart. You're like, oh my God, you do? For the holidays. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. And they're talking to me about book clubs and all this stuff. So. Hmm. I don't know what's surprising. I don't know. I'm black. I don't know. <laughs> um, what's okay, surprising? why would I tell you something? Then tell me you tell me if it's that surprising. What? How about I tell you something about me and then you tell me if that's surprising? Oh, okay. Um I'm very competitive. No, that doesn't surprise surprise <laughs> No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an open book. Um hmm. Okay, well, maybe you know this already. Um, I'm very hard on myself. Like, I always, I don't know. I try to, I probably try to perfect a lot of things that I do because it's like, I don't know. I'm always hard on myself. Maybe that's something no one knows about me. I always try to, like, make things seem like it's okay. Um. Like, oh, hmm. um, I feel like I'm the same way too. I feel like I'm exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something else though. Like I always have to have an answer, a perfect answer for everything. Yeah. Or I like I'll like figure that. it out or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, what don't you know? I love cars. 
Okay, something little known facts. When I was in high school, I used to race my classmates. <laughs> you did? And with your car? Yeah, I had a Honda Accord. It was a two-door. What was it a two-door? Two-door? What's the fastest you've ever gone in your car? I don't know, like one something. Really? Did you? Were you good at it? I was pretty good, yeah. I, I wanted, didn't know that. I wanted to be like this. I'm not a gangster, but I just, I don't know. like Speed racer? Yeah, it was like, you know what? It was Tokyo a, it Drift? Was, yes. <laughs> it was like, after I saw that movie, I literally went outside and was trying picture? to drift my car. Do you have a picture of, of you the car? Of you in high school? Please tell me you have a picture of you in high school. No, I'd probably have to go through archives for that. No. Okay, well, let me find something. That will be to be continued. Okay, let me find something juicy. Um, it was an adrenaline rush. <laughs> That's why I liked it. Let me see if I can find something. What else? I know I know I have to give one now. Something people might not know about me. Okay, I'm really into clothes. Did, did you know about that? In high school, I did like a fashion show. Mm-hmm. You told me. Did I tell you that? Okay. You have, you have good fashion anyway. And then like, I don't know. I guess I judge people based on what they wear. Oh, damn. You probably <laughs> was judging the hell out of me. You're wearing scrubs, but no, I feel no, like. when you first met me. No. I I've, always like compl- I was I've always complimented you on your, on your outfit. Day. But when I. Th- when I think of clothes, I think of clothes as like more and your than, expression. Yeah, I think of it as, How you as feel. an expression of the person. So I feel like, the same way. I so feel like the same way. whenever I meet people, like I'll not judge them, but I'll like know about their personality based on the clothes based on that they the wear. clothes that they're wearing. Yeah, it makes sense though. I feel like clothing. Yeah. Um, my sister when she oh, bef- before she got into doing what she's doing now, but I mean, she definitely has a passion for like styling yeah. and designing and. Um, dressing, but I do feel like I love like her style of fashion and everything. I always go to her like, what am I going to wear? Or does this match? Or would this go with it? She's always like, everything doesn't have to match. You could color block or do things like that. Um, I think I felt like at the previous job, I felt like I couldn't really express like I couldn't always wear what I wanted to wear because there was all yeah, like you couldn't you know, feel comfortable and just dress nice and just be comfortable because there was always the, oh, well, what do you have on? Or, you know, it's like, why does it have to be like that? Like, why can't you just generally come to work, right. feel, feel good about what you're doing, feel good about helping people and look good as well? What the hell? Like, I literally felt like I was going to a damn funeral. That's why now all I have is black pants. And I see, I see my coworkers, you know, do you wear scrubs only on Fridays? Only on Fridays I wear the scrubs, but um, throughout the week we can dress casual, business casual. So I, I definitely see my coworkers dressing casual. They're not always dressed up up under their coat, but I am because all I have is like black pants. You wear your stretchy pants that were the black ones. Yeah, I wore them like twice. I haven't. I can't find them for some reason. <laughs> they're, they're probably back. They disappeared. In the but they're very comfortable. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like. That's that's a whole nother topic on workplace attire and yeah. all that stuff. I feel like you shouldn't be harassed on what you're wearing unless you're wearing something inappropriate. 
Huh? How your hair is or what makeup you're wearing? Yeah. See, I, I say I know I shouldn't do that, but like if I see someone, like I'll just I feel like I know them based on what they're wearing, what makeup they're wearing. Yeah. I don't know. That's it's funny you bring up hair. Hair, yeah. When I was interviewing for, I don't know if I told you that when I was interviewing for this job, um, my mom was like, "Bless you." I wear if I don't have my hair done or if it's not like in plaits or anything like what I have now, I'll wear my natural hair like in the two twists or braids mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a pretty natural style, but I guess. Me going out for like, oh, you're gonna be working in a hospital, like it's gonna be you, you're working for a new organization. It's like, so, yeah, like, who cares? Yeah. I have to turn this, like, transform into this new person or something. Who cares? So, I had my hair like that. My mom that night, she's like, Are you gonna do something with your hair? I'm like, you can't go to that interview like that. Like, they're really? not gonna hire you. I literally had like a crying session by myself in the garage because I'm like, I just want to, yes, I want this job really bad, but I also, I just want to be myself and I just want them to hire me based off of what they see and what they like about me. And of course my knowledge, not my hair. And it's like, it's already hard because yes, I'm black. And sometimes it's like, oh, you don't want to be too ethnic or you don't want to look like, you know, you're being too ghetto or stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I guess that's my mom's. Yeah. Or having not having your hair. Not having my hair like perfectly yeah. in a style or something. She thinks like, oh, if it's not perfectly put together, like you're just gonna look like you don't care, or you know, you're gonna be that's how you're gonna be perceived. And it's like I get what she's saying, but it's like I don't think those people looking at my damn hair. But there's there's a lot of like hours and money that goes into getting your hair done, right? Yes. This, yes. The the two Twist that I do, I just do that at home with yeah. deep conditioner, and that's it. But that's I don't crazy know. though, because like for me, like I don't. Besides like straightening my hair, I don't really do much to it. And to think that like my job would be dependent on hair me spending. I'm telling you, what five six hours getting my hair done? Yeah, this was about six hours. Six hours yeah. and like hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. It's crazy. Okay. Um. I think that's all we have for today's podcast. Do you have any any words of wisdom? <laughs> you know, we do that <laughs> twice a week. We do like morning huddles and they come to me because I've had quote unquote words of wisdoms, yeah. words of wisdoms to say like positive, like um, messages or things. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, read us a quote. And I'm like, what? When did I become the affirmationist? <laughs> I'm trying to... Um, Think of something. I guess I'll talk while you're doing that. Um, yeah, I just want to emphasize like asking for help, having people witness your struggle. I feel like that's really important and empowering and brings us all together. And we're all like very social beings. So I feel like it's nurturing for, for our souls. Um, yeah, and then knowing when to say sorry and when not to say sorry. I don't know. I found one. It's kind you of found corny. One? Okay, go. No, it's kind of corny. I need something. I need something serious. Live, laugh, love. Well, no, this one says um, you're stopping yourself from healing by reminding yourself of all the memories you once shared with that person and hoping they'll come running back into your arms. It's time to heal. It's time to let go. This one, that's it's time to let go. I don't know. That one says that. But something more inspirational. No, I like that. 
You like that one? Yeah. I feel like maybe we could talk about that next time. Knowing when to let go. Wait, there's another one. There's another one? Okay. Another one says, with, I don't know, this isn't, this isn't all that um, personal. <laughs> this one says, with inspiration, liberation, and determination, you can reach any destiny. That sounds like a, those things that they have like in the offices, like teamwork. Oh, <laughs> with like the whale spin in the back. Little guy on there. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys for listening. Thank have a good you. night. Catch you next time.